at this point, I'm the only 6-0 and when we top cut. But I was like, why are we still playing a tournament? What are we doing? Hi, everybody. Welcome to our slightly delayed broadcast where Nathan boomered his way through figuring out how to run the intro for the uh, stream that he's never needed to do before. Anthony was very like, don't hit the go live button yet. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, I was like, don't hit that until you've done the intros video. And he was just like pressing buttons. I was like, no, Nathan, please. <laughs> Anthony was like, and this is why I have a job as like an IT professional is because of people like Nathan who just yep. don't know anything about anything. Um, it certainly helps. So yeah, welcome everybody to episode 68, All Sun, No Gun, uh, World Leaders Take Down Cali Cup. Uh, we're not going to have an Innis or a Jeremy. Innis is broken from international travel and Jeremy is broken for infectious disease reasons. So you're just going to have me and Anthony and we're just gonna talk world leaders basically for the rest of the evening as a um, uh, one aspiring or a very sharp-eyed stream viewer put it the captain of team poland that i am apparently was who was at cali cup <laughs> yeah somebody said the captain of poland was there and that like ran circles in the yeah, back chat for a minute just, and we were... was just me in this shirt <laughs> it, it led to a very confused pumba who was like i don't what <laughs> i'm not there <laughs> Hello? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk stats very briefly because um, they're just hot off the presses. And then we're going to talk about Cali Cup and we're going to try to teach people to not just push models straight at people for a little bit. And then we're yes. going to spend the rest of the time taking show questions. So yeah. I guess I'll just start with my weekend because it's going to be the rest of the period after this, after stats, is just going to be about Anthony's weekend. Can't um, escape. My weekend, I was supposed to do a lot of things and then ended up not doing a lot of those things because <laughs> of technical difficulties with syncing up the streaming end of the Cali Cup with some of the stuff we'd tested. Basically, we tested all the tech, and then when we tried to do it, like all good plans, it failed when it was tried to be put in place. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, I read like the whole new Horus Heresy book from Siege of Terra in like a day, um, which you should go read. It's great. Probably I'll try not to read it all in like 12 hours, though. I'll probably check it out. Um, your, your favorite Space Marine is in it, a reasonable about. Uh, Amit uh, is in Amit? it. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Quite all a right, bit. Sick. Yeah, that's my boy. That is, uh, if I was gonna, if I was gonna just like, there's a different path of me starting 40k that involves me starting like with flesh tears and just never getting into competitive play. <laughs> that definitely could have happened. I mean, instead, you started with Chaos Knights, right? Yeah. Well, I started with Chaos Knights because it was the fastest way to get into a tournament. But if that didn't happen, I put it to you. I would have been the terror of Crusade Night somewhere on Long Island. Oh, I mean, that just sounds like a challenge. No. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also playing your team this week in the TTS Teams League, I think. You guys are the, fucked. <laughs> I definitely was just like, 
somebody was like, so do we want to make matrices? And I was like looking at it and I was like, I don't think you guys want my opinion on any of what is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like look at the other four people who are on the team and I'm like, good luck boys. I'm like, cool. I'm being dragged behind this. I am definitely the weakest link in this particular chain folks. We Every gave team the... is only as good as its weakest link. Oh, well, if this was a crusade league, we'd be doing great, but we're not. So Killing it's, it. it's not. Maybe I should I'm just going to psych myself into my game by saying it's a crusade league the whole time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's just, you know, just keep it casual. Just keep it calm. Just going <laughs> to score some fucking points, Nathan. And then the whole weekend was also just Anthony watching Anthony play and then just getting steadily more and more motivated to start a world leaders army. So I ordered paint on Sunday to paint a. 30k themed 40k army so i'm gonna try painting white for the first time and see how it goes i think Probably i will wager at well. this point that there are more world leaders armies painted in their 30k scheme that i've seen than the like actual red and bronze i think that might be true i think people like really like the white but it's mm. also probably why you see a bunch of like people who are also like white armies are terrible do people because... say that is that a thing yeah it's because Painting white is like one of the most challenging colors aside from yellow. Oh, um, it's because of the way that like the pigments for white paints act and how like pure white looks super flat and stuff like that as Interesting. well. Jim must just be a wizard because my chaos army is white and gold. The one you saw and it just looks mm -hmm. dope. And I didn't even like gloss that <laughs> wizard. Uh, yeah. He goes like like the the three steps I'm doing are like gray to gray to gray, basically. Yep. So there's like no actual white involved in the whole process. Gotcha. <laughs> Cheating. Yeah, I know. It's all it's actually just gray. And then <laughs> um I saw this really cool idea to make Ancron's base have like blood hands coming out from the base around him. So I thought oh, that's gonna cool. do that. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we turn into a hobby podcast for 30 seconds, I'm gonna talk should, about should up the viewership. I know. Or that... something told. According <laughs> to most people, it's all about the hobby and not about uh competitive 40k. Yep. I got told that repeatedly. I got told that a lot when I was first starting out in 40K in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our biggest event is Adepticon, so you can see how that pays off. Um, yeah, it's mostly not about 40K. Correct. <laughs> so man. for stats this week, it's not like the most active week. Uh, we have a good number of events, but we'll go through them real quick and kind of talk our way through the win rates and things like that. Uh, the most winningest army of the weekend was Thousand Sons, but they didn't get any placements. They had a 60.1% win rate overall. The what? <laughs> the Thousand Sons? That's very surprising. Yeah, they had a 60% win rate. They had 13 players. They were also one of the lowest represented factions of the week, aside from like okay. our, the people we usually expect. 1.9% meta representation is not a whole heck of a lot. Oh, wait, yes. they actually had six top tens. I just missed it. They oh, okay. I saw the zero and then the zero. When you were and like, there's surely a third one. <laughs> that is also a zero because their overrip also says zero. <laughs> Real good at reading Excel spreadsheets. That's all I'm going to say. The champion. And then Chaos Space Marines managed to not win any events this week, but they had 9% of the meta. Uh, they had a 57.3% win rate. Five oh. top fours, 13 top tens, which is the most of any mono book faction. That is a, like a pretty high... like representation to win rate ratio there yep and then they have a 1.07 over rep so they're perfectly balanced now i don't know what anybody's going to be complaining about anymore no um and then to continuing the story of perfectly balanced armies we have eldari who made up 7.1 percent of the meta 
They had a 56.4% win rate. Uh, they did win two events. They got three top fours and then 11 top tens, but they only had a 0.81 over rep. So perfectly balanced. How numb Less to insanity are we that like 56 is like, dude, that's sick. That's dope. We're doing great. Look, anything under like 65. 65. Point, yeah. Yeah. 65. Like, I'm like, like, you know, we can figure out how this is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. We can, you know, low rep, too many good players on it that weekend. <laughs> Something could have happened. Yeah, we can bring out some really good rationalizations into it, which yeah. is probably what everybody really loves about us is the positivity. That's right. Me specifically, usually. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Drukari had seven players this weekend. They are the second least represented faction aside from Gene Steeler Colts with 1% in the meta. Whatever their win rate is, I don't even care because I know Scari played them this weekend. So that means one seventh of these games is just Scari. <laughs> they had a 54% win rate. <laughs> Okay. Damn it, Scary! <laughs> they won a GT. Uh, that's the top that four. Scary. And, and then one of the top tens is also Scary. No, Scary uh, won the GT. I know he's all three of those numbers. Oh, so oh. Outs, if of... you take, if you take Scary out, they had a top ten. Got it. What was their uh, win rate? Down five wins. I think it's like fifty-ish percent without okay. Scary in there. Right. So they did okay. Um, they had another top ten placement, so somebody did all right. And they, because of this and because of their low representation, uh, actually low representation in this situation, they had a 1.92 over rep, which is silly. Yeah. Um, Scari managed to make it to the finals because of a gambit playing off. I heard about off. that round three. Yeah. So like he, he, it's sub 50% because Jeremy is in chat. God damn it, Scari. <laughs> um, so Scari is going to pull the decaying corpse of the Drukari army behind him yep. by making gambits pay off in order to win GTs essentially, or continue being undefeated to win GTs. Um, so he's part of a very small crew, basically statistically. Cause I think at one point we had the number that it was like less than 0.3% of something like that of players have successfully of won successful with it. And a win. Yeah. I'd have to look, go back and do the math again, but that was just for one event where they tracked it. Uh, nice. In, Fifth place, we have Orcs for win rate. They had a 53.4% win rate, five top fours, six top tens uh, for an overall overrep of 1.73. And they made up 5.6% of the meta. So Orcs are doing the, okay uh, still. Yeah, the um, the Orc army this weekend that won best overall at Cali Cup is one of the sickest Orc armies I've ever seen. They were like albino Orcs in like black armor. They looked like straight out of like Saruman's army. It was sweet. I fucking love that. Yeah, it was dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to see somebody win with an army that like overall win the overall thing with an army that's just amazingly well yeah i think you went five and one too like he did really well oh it's that orc army oh wow yeah, oh, yeah, yeah he did really well yeah he did really well and his army looked <laughs> dope easy best overall amazing uh the the leagues of otan are next up four percent meta representation 52.8 percent win rate one top four five top tens for an overrep of 0 0.48 it's just because Jeremy stayed home this weekend and didn't go into <laughs> something. Yes. And then my favorite story of the weekend is uh, World Eaters. 17 players, 2.4% meta representation, a 51.2% win rate. So if you remove Anthony from this, it probably goes down quite a bit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's probably real bad, actually. <laughs> if Jeremy's in chat listening to us, he can do that calculation and put it in chat, probably. 
Uh, one event win, their actual first event win of 10th edition for a GT or higher event that we track. So That's two editions in a row, baby. There you go. Three top tens, one of which is still Anthony and five top ten or three top fours and then five top tens uh, for an overrep of 2.38 because of Anthony, basically. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony just ruining everything. Sorry. All the time. I'm not that sorry. You're going to get him nerfed. I don't think or, I get nerfed from one week's of data. If I win finals next weekend, then they can get nerfed. Are you bringing world leaders to the finals? I'm literally bringing point for point the same list that I played at LGT to all three of these events. Amazing. I locked in a Christmas box just so I could... 45.3% without you, by the way, for oh, That's a bit of a fall. Being responsible <laughs> for 6% by myself was not great. Yeah, that's not good. Um... <laughs> We'll talk about your arithmetic later as well. It's it's a fun note. <laughs> uh, Space Marines won the most events for the weekend. Uh, they had 156 players and made up 22.3% of the meta. Jesus so, Christ. That's what Space Marines usually do traditionally when you shove them all together into one box. I this guess. Is all 22 is a lot. So it's Space Wolves and everybody too, because I'm too lazy to really spread them apart. But they won four GTs, 15 top fours, and 30 top tens for a 1.29. And with that 50% win rate, it's just perfectly balanced, you see? There's no problems in the Space Marine Codex whatsoever. No problems in the Space Marine Codex. No war embossing, say. Everything's nope. okay. Um, At the bottom, the worst performing faction of the weekend. Anthony, what do you think the win rate is for the worst performing faction of the, of the weekend? 38 further down 26 further down what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's a gene stealer cult who had only five players over the weekend um so they had less than a percent they're the least represented faction for the weekend they had a 21.7 percent win rate um they had a real real rough weekend dude get the cult on the phone it's not that hard to throw demo charges figure it out boys each of those players got one win is basically how that works out for Matt. Just putting it out. Boys. Come on. After that, uh, both of these factions actually won events. Uh, our Chaos Demons at 39.4% win rate and Astra Militarum at a 42.4% win rate. Both of them won an event this weekend. Guard had three top fours and five top tens. Demons had the single top four and then three top tens for a Demons were pretty well positioned to... Demons were pretty well positioned to Cali until Michael ran into me. Yeah. So, I mean, they did okay this weekend and they did yeah. win an event. So pretty good. You know, skilled pilot, right situation. Probably can do all right. Yep. Custodies have bounced off of the 40% win rate and started to go up again. Although their meta representation continues to drop. They're down to 3.7% of the meta. They have a 42.4% win rate. Uh, no top, no wins, but they did get a top four and they did get two top tens. So we're at like a 0.5, so probably need a buff at some point. Maybe got hit a little too hard with a nerf bat. I um, think that they should take double damage from dev wounds. You know, I don't disagree with you, actually, to be totally honest. Yeah. Uh, the other event winning factions for the weekends were Chaos Knights, who won two events, had four top fours and five top tens for a 1.63 over rep. And then Death Guard, who won an event. I uh, had that one top four and then eight top tens for a 0 0.42 for over rep. I just got a bunch of messages saying vindication after I was saying um, custodians need a buff. 
bunch of people telling me that I have, you know, apparently just vindicated all of their opinions, except I did not. Custodians Imagine... should, should just accept the fact that they're like at the bottom edge of that balance window for a little bit. Yeah, I'm lucky. You'll have a codex soon, buddies. Maybe you'll get a solar watch attachment in there and your army will be interesting enough for people to care about. Or go play Horus Heresy, where apparently they're being banned from like slow girl leagues. Yeah, and like, stuff like actually that broken. Yep. Yeah. If you really want to relive those glory days of getting a buff at after El after being good at LVO, then you can go play 30k with your Adeptus army. That was the worst. That was the worst thing that's happened the entire time I've played 40k. And I started before COVID. <laughs> and that's it for stats. Things have kind of settled down. We're going to have a meta report at the end of the week. Um, if you want to take a look at the trend lines, uh, Cliff said that he would have the dashboard updated tomorrow, probably. Um, since the data is coming hot off the presses for y'all tonight. And then I guess we're going to transition into the second part of the question, which is where we talked to Anthony about how his weekend was, I guess. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable thing to do. So, Anthony. Uh, stretch. You got to stretch for this story. Uh, get, get those scouting mes muscles ready. Yeah. I, dude, I got to do such little scouting after game like four. <laughs> Everyone was yeah, like, oh, here's my nerglings. Here's my scouts. Here's my this. Here's my that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Well, and then like a couple of the missions, they were like, yes, yeah, so you they did like scrambler fields and stuff like that. Right. I was like, oh, so no deep striking or scouting onto objectives like at all. So you just yeah. kind of don't get to do a lot anymore, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> Nathan with the hard hit. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Thank you for the super chat. Um, okay. So let's talk about the events. He went to Cali Cup, which was running run by the XPZ boys. Yeah, Xenos Petting Zoo is their full team name. So talk about what you brought. You brought 1,975 points of world yep. leaders, right? You know, been a number the same. that will bother every yeah, it's been the same person. It's been the same thing for weeks. It makes people really upset, and then they try and tinker with it, and then they make the list worse, worse. Um, and then they play with it, and they're like, hey, I tried your list but I changed these things and now it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, have you considered perhaps trying the version that works? Um, Tim has like the best perspective on this. The one that makes me laugh the most anyway, is that people will pick up my list. Like I didn't try to make it 2000 points. Like I just threw some units and fuck it into the app and was like, ah, that's good enough. And just fucked off and went and played. Like I didn't try to get closer to the points. Um, we're running like, there's two ways you could look at this. Either you're paying five points per plasma pistol on the list, or Angron actually costs 440 points. And that's the, that's the approach that I've taken. So, um, yeah. So I've been playing the same list for a while. Um, it's a Juggernaut Lord with Favor, Lord of Mercatus, Angron, 15 Berserkers, Karn, Master of Executions with the Glaive, two Rhinos, nine Exalted 8-Bound, three Regular 8-Bound, Unit of Jackals. That's it um it's not a lot of stuff the stuff that's in there is real good and that's the uh that's the short version of the list itself so what was like the biggest lesson or takeaway kind of like from the event that you took before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty of some like maybe in interesting matchups and stuff like that yeah uh the funniest way i've had it put is that like the theme song of my weekend was people like losing and then immediately being like i just need more reps against this and it was really funny like the 
absolute consistency at which like I would finish a game and that would be the first things people would say. Or just like, yeah, I'm just not really used to dealing with melee intent or stuff like that. Cause um the last like four months I've basically trained people only to deal with shooting. Um if I had a dollar for every time that someone would like deploy, I'd be like, Do you have a line of sight here? And I'd be like, No. But why? And they'd be like, oh, right, 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 right. I don't have to do that. <laughs> um, the most I'm going to shoot at you is a plasma pistol. A grenades. The grenade stratagem right. is the ceiling of my damage. That said, I did kill Fuegan in shooting against Ben. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuegan, not Ben. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I shot him to death and then hit him with a grenade. He fell over and then I charged him and finished him. Go away. Amazing. Yeah. You So... World leaders don't have good shooting, but if both rhinos shoot you and you're just like a lone op idiot, you die. I did watch that in your last game where two rhinos shot a lone op idiot and he died. Yeah, he died with his five up feeling pain. Just go away. So when people talk about reps, though, and they talk about world leaders, probably (laughs) what they're most talking about is like, I think the play style that you specifically use for world leaders is like a little bit differently than people kind of like think of world leaders immediately. Yeah. Cause like every world leaders player that I play against is basically like, if I just shove all of my bodies at you, I'll win. Yeah. So with a lot of this, I kind of like walked with Drakari so I could run with world leaders. Um, weirdly enough, this list plays like, dead to rights like thick city did um it is almost exactly the same plan early on you use big boys that are faster than they have any right to be because of the army rules to kind of get in there take longer slightly longer than they should to kill make trades awkward tie people up establish a lead on primary and then you close out the game with advanced and charging infantry out of transports through walls and close people out with like really hard-hitting characters you kind of get the x factor in this list like Thick City had the Talos that would sometimes, like, get recursion from Kronos or, you know, kind of be around forever because they were minus one damage. This list has Angron, who goes in, like, waylays something, has a bunch of auras that are really good, and then sometimes recycles, or in my case, recycles a lot. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of, like, the play cycle you're looking for. But the big thing is that people need to stay really far away from you so you don't hit them or, in the case of the Exalted, prevent them from falling back if they fell a leadership vest. Um, which like in my game against Brad was literally like game deciding the one I played on stream, Brad failed a battle shock test to fall back, just got stuck there with the exalted eight bound because of their ability game over. Cause now five exalted just ran through his whole army. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the play, like play cycle you're looking for. So you'd think they're like more of like more melee trading and more like space control kind of when you think about it, you're not really you're like trading so the big thing with world leaders is that you're kind of like sweeping portions of the board clean um like a thing that you know again to harken back to jakari a thing that heard the prey kind of trained you on doing was like clearing out table quarters right um doing that with world leaders is super effective because like once a table quarter is over and it's behind you like if it's clear and it's back there and no one's deep striking in and you're good the game is much simpler to play. You just move on to the next one and start sweeping that one. You're so fast that you can cover a lot of different parts of the board pretty easy. But the big thing that you're doing is like, you're not like behind a wall, like my unit, and then they put a unit, and then you put a unit. That's not really the idea. Um, you're kind of like, hey, I'm behind all these walls. Next turn, you lose your army if you don't come and do something about it. 
They try and come and do something about it. The angles are awkward. Right. They can't quite get you. You clap what came out, and then the game ends. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah I think all this talk about how they play as, like, Thick City Drukari has just, like, got my brain, like, synapses, like, really firing. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, if Angron is just a really big Drazar. It, no, he's come... just, like, staple all six Talos together. That's Angron. Ah. You make oh. him just awkward enough to kill. You get the angles to make him weird. It's like putting old like artist Talos in a forest. Were they immortal? <laughs> Absolutely not. Was it god awful to kill them? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes they would come back to life because they... a Kronos nearby would do something ridiculous. Well, you just beat up some like random infantry garbage, right? That's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've been. I've been starting to schedule like practice games with that army just based off of like you telling me just the one time that it was basically Drukari and then watching the games over the weekend and watching the play style of it. Yeah. Yes, the master of excellence is Drazar. That's probably a much better comparison. hundred yes, yes. percent. Those guys are the same. <laughs> the the Berserker Glaive guy popping off with the right with rolling like a six. He doesn't so get plus three. He doesn't need it. On on a three up, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. He'll pick up any character. So let's talk a little bit about some of the more interesting moments in games and kind of some turning points. Cause we don't necessarily want to walk through like the details of every game. No, but oh, I mean, every game has a point in it though. Right. Cause it's world leaders. And like, if you looked yeah. at my scores through the weekend, a lot of them were like hundred to 26, hundred, 22, hundred to 30. Um, so my first game was a great example of a thing I talk about a lot um, that came up, which is, Rhinos used to represent a real issue, or transports in general, used to represent a real issue for world leaders, right? Especially in ninth. Because um, you couldn't punch things that you did not declare as a charge. That has changed in 10th and is a massive difference. Um, so my Death Guard opponent put a Rhino on an objective. I went up to said Rhino. Can opened it. You know, I charged it with a unit of 8-bound and a unit of Corn Berserkers in such a way that he could fit his 10-man on the backside of the Rhino. But within engagement range after I pile in a unit of Berserkers. Now, what this means functionally is that after the 8-bound have killed it, I do not consolidate because I don't want to engage them. Now, that Plague Marine unit can't interrupt because it's not an engagement range of anything. I activate with the Corn Berserkers, pile and Karn, pile into that Plague Marine unit. I have all my buffs still because I did charge. I get plus one strength and attack. I activate basically at full efficiency and clear the Plague Marine unit without them being able to respond, despite them having started the turn inside a transport. And that play that play is huge into transport-based armies. It does cost you two resources to do it, though. Right. So you have to be sure that, like, that's an important maneuver that you're doing to, like, remove an object and take yeah, it. Yeah, like, again, if you can, you know, if that's like, and that corner is dealt with now. Money. Yeah. I like thinking of it actually like Herd the Prey now. That's just what I'm going to think about it as for now. Yeah, it's the easiest way to think of like how to play the army. <laughs> so before we get too much further, you're taking tactical basically like 99% of the time. I think I take tactical all nine. Yeah, all nine. I World Leaders is so good at it that it's like, it's really hard to justify not. And you generate, mm -hmm. you don't have the... So two things World Leaders don't have <laughs> that I would really just love some access to at all. Um, that said, if it involved changing the army literally at all, please don't do that. Leave everything exactly as it is. Um, <laughs> is a way to generate CP that wasn't discarding a card and a loan op of just any fucking kind whatsoever. <laughs> um, 
you like you can't even get one with allies it's just there just is zero lone operative in world leaders at all um so maybe at some point in a future life we'll have that but for now ain't shit um there are ways around that but there are um a lot of them involve again using a resource to like go stand on an objective to die to make it sticky so makes sense so what we don't need to go like is it round by round but what was like kind of the next like interesting moment or illustrative moment from the weekend that kind of also showed people that melee is good or... um so i'm trying to think because like each game had like a you know i'm fairly rep deep on this army right um but like think i think people like experiences of interacting with it are obviously like very different of like hey you know kind of here's like what happens next um it'll actually almost be easier for me to go around by around give me a second sure yeah we can pull out like individual like what was the because a lot of people have called world leaders an army of a oh. series of like 70 percent chances to like turn the game yeah that was you yeah yeah <laughs> a series of 70 percent chance things that if any of them occur yeah close the game so for example my second game i played against gray knights right Knights can start a lot of stuff off the board. Unfortunately for this gentleman, it was Dawn of War. So you can't really get that far away from world leaders turn one, like going first in Dawn without infiltrates of your own. So he started as much as physically possible off the board, starts his Terminators on the board with two strike squads. Now, reasonable play, literal black line the Terminators, put the strikes in front of the Terminators. In ninth, this play... Flawless. Excellent. Can't touch the terms. No big deal. In 10th, one unit of Exalted 8-bound charges both strike squads because they are significantly farther forward, meaning that I had a very easy charge into them. So mm -hmm. I charge both strike squads, kill both strike squads. Angron, who natty sixed his advance like a hero, charges the strike squads as well. Once both strike squads are dead, Angron is able to pile into and hit... The Terminators, removing four or five of them. Now he can't get off the board. The only asset he has on the board at this point is this, like, half-broken Terminator unit and Brother Captain Stern. And he can't fall back and do things in this army. So, again, <laughs> when you're playing against World Eaters, splitting up your screen so that they are all the way forward, either so far enough forward that the four in, like you know being outside wholly outside four inches basically of the front of your unit so that i can't hit your screen and then pile into you with a second unit is huge um that honestly was just like i went first and hit the six on angron's advance it was like basically checkmate but as low as like a three that charge was very easy so because it's really, hard like one of the distances that you want to measure most closely if you're playing into a world leader's opponent is like four inches essentially you want the unit if it's going to be screened by something to be four inches away from that other unit so that your opponent minimally yeah yeah at least four inches you want to remember that your opponent can just because of the nature of 10th edition combat being very yeah. different from 9th edition combat yeah. yeah where you can fight basically anything provided you can, you can get, get to an engagement range yeah. right of it so you just want to make sure that if you're going to use a screen, even a two-layered screen or a two-unit screen, that the third unit that's valuable is at least four inches away from that unit. So yeah. your opponent can't just annihilate your screen and then just go into you as well. Yeah. Right. That the other sense. the other big one to keep an eye on is so 
Angron has fly. He's one of the, he's the only, like basically the only thing in world leaders that does besides like a very specific type of demon prince. Um, he can obviously jump your screens. Now he still has to base you, but if he's on the other side of you and that unit gets killed by something else, he does get to pile in after and can hit the next thing. So it just depends on a fair amount of things, honestly, but like just keep an eye on stuff like that as the game is going. If you're playing against world leaders, that makes sense. So then I guess we're into game three. Three. Yep. Uh, this was against Randall. So he had an interesting Eldar list with four Sky with two units of four Sky Weavers. They were very good. Um, but he went second when he was like very much deployed to go first and just kind of got like trucked because of it. Um, I also, this was a similar game where I was just like rolling in like big rolling advance rolls and was able to get into his squads and have CP online for plus to wound and then hit him at full force. Um, so yep. Still Aldar, still kind of like scrappy for a minute or two, but he lost 10 Wraith Guard and like half his bikes and some other stuff turn one. And I was able to stage after that to hit him with a second wave. The game was kind of in a checkmate position pretty quick. So you can do things against world leaders, but if you deploy to go first and then go second, it is going to be ugly. But sometimes that's okay. Sometimes the out, again, this is single play, right? We're not too worried about differential. It doesn't matter. We're just trying to win or lose. In a scenario on corners where you feel like you have to go first to win regardless, it's okay to deploy to go first. It just that didn't work out here. Yeah, if your plan, your only plan to win is to try to go going first, first. Yeah. then you need to do that. And yeah. if you fail the roll to go first, then... Unlucky, whatever. Happens. Yeah, this is a good example of like, you can, you know, you can make no mistakes and still lose, right? Like, right. he deployed to go first because that is his out to win. He did not go first and lost. Okay. Then we're into game four, provided I can still count. Yep, so far so good. You're doing better than me, at least after 20 hours on stream. It's true. Um, How many games on stream did you actually play? Like five or six? Yeah, five. I played all okay. of Saturday and then the first game Sunday and the last game Sunday. Fucking, that's so much time. It uh, was, a, to, yeah. It's like, so like, I think people don't always realize that playing 40K for three days is tiring, right? But also playing on stream while mic'd up is also exhausting because you also have to be like on in different ways, right? Oh yeah. No, my social battery was just like dead after <laughs> <laughs> I was like saying last night in one of the chat, like a, I was in like a voice chat and I was like talking and we were talking about Atlanta. I was like, after every round at Atlanta, I'm just going to the hotel room. Like I'm not going out with anybody. I just set all of my social <laughs> on fire last weekend and it was dope and super worth it. But also good God, that was a lot of time on stream. <laughs> So back to game four then, I suppose. <laughs> yep. So game four, this is the start of the streaming. Um, I played against Nick Nanavati. Uh, everybody knows who Nick Nanavati is. <laughs> literal legend in the, uh, in the community, in the hobby. Um, we played on stream. Um, this game is probably the like the, the most educational, I guess, of the stream games that I've played, I would wager. Because me and Nick, Nick like literally like makes 40k content full time. Um, so he was talking through everything he was trying to do. I was talking through everything that I was trying to do. And I also was like, Hey, you're clearly rep light on this. Watch out for X, Y, Z thing. Um, there was a sequence where I literally like talked him out of scamming himself on the fight phase because he was going to try and like charge two rhinos and would have ended up getting heroic. And then he was like, yeah. you can't interrupt. And I was like, that unit has fights first. Got to keep in mind a lot of these like very complicated interactions. 
I think that was also the game that if anybody wants to see like the best way to play competitive 40 K is to watch that game. Yeah. Everything the two of you were doing was communicating with each other, right? right. Yep. The whole game, there was only playing by intent and yeah, just like Jeremy said in chat, it was a masterclass in gamesmanship and fair play. And like the best example of how two people at top level can play each other and have a game go. And as an example of yeah. how we should all play those games against one another, because there definitely was, I was watching you and you're like, you probably shouldn't do that. And yeah, it was like, 100%. Oh, why? I mean, I don't take that advice when I, when I played you. So no, no. you did not. I definitely <laughs> let myself scam myself. Yeah, that's true. That's you were definitely like, Nathan, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Killed the shit out of this thing called this though. <laughs> they did die. I was very yeah. proud of it. He got them. <laughs> I did. I succeeded at doing the thing. Um, yeah. And I did um, have. But the, yeah, like that game, even from like the word go, basically, Nick was like deploying and he was like going to leave two units, like a unit of obliterators on. I was like, don't do that. Like if you realize now that we're like halfway through deployment, just throw them in deep strike. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, and like, same thing with me. I had like set up anger on at one place where I thought he was only going to get shot by one forge beam, but Nick pointed out an angle after moving a different one. He was like, just put it back behind the ruin. Little stuff like that goes a long way. I think that's by far and away the best way to play 40k. Um I understand why certain people aren't always like super down for it in a tournament setting, but right. like that was the game we chose to play and it was great. Um, and I think it was much more beneficial for viewers, especially. So what was kind of the breaking point in that game? Cause I watched quite a bit of that game. But... Yeah. Um, so I, there was a couple of plays early that mattered a lot. Um, one of them was that, I had gotten Invocatus onto one of the, like, only two middle objectives, and only those two scored us points, so it was real important to score those. Um, or not, like, only those two, but your home was only worth two, and the middle was worth five, or something like that. Um, and Nick, like, didn't really commit any resources to killing Invocatus, and shot him off, and I just made that objective sticky. And without him having really anything in the zip code, that meant that that was going to be my objective for a while, um so i ended up scoring a bunch of extra primary because of that the other side of that play was that i had gotten some eight bound out to kill chosen or nerglings or something that were like in the middle near an objective and he responded to that with some chosen and then had piled into my rhino that was behind a wall didn't kill it because he didn't like he didn't hit it but i was able to get the master of execution squad out of the rhino move the rhino through them because that has changed in 10 um move the master of execution squad basically back to where they were and use another rhino to prevent coming all the way around and the the end state of that play was basically that i killed his squad from the safe side of the wall the rhino that had charged move blocked him from responding to it with on the like on the board resources and the rhino that had fallen back prevented him from deep striking behind me so he had ah. no direct line of sight to this unit Nick is an extremely experienced 40k player and burned easily 25 to 30 minutes of his clock trying to undo this puzzle that had now presented itself because that unit had fights first. If he had charged the rhino that was near it, helping them hold the objective, he gets heroic on. Hmm. So the, the whole puzzle was just like all wrong, just like bad answers after bad answers. Um, and that was probably the most interesting part of that game that was pretty much where it spun um because he just okay. didn't really have a great answer to this unit at that point 
And is the next game your first game against Bradchester, or the is that I round think, six? I think we played in five. Nope, round five was Ben. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Ben. Ben got run over. Uh, ben had, Ben had a tough day um, in this game, so he he's had experience with this matchup, so he knew it a little bit better than most. But I think this is like definitely one of the times where the like level and difference in player can definitely matter um sure. so i didn't go first on this matchup um in fact through the tournament i actually didn't go first that much at all um i think the only game where i like was able to meaningfully go first was in game two the so game yeah it didn't end up coming up a ton um so but anyway i was playing ben um and he's like going back and forth but we're playing on sweeping engagement where you're 20 inches apart which is not a lot of inches from deployment zone to deployment zone when your army can move 17 without scout moves so ben had to deploy really conservatively um and during the setup for deployment he had set up all his tanks in the corner and his like links or whatever the Eldar tank thing is called in the corner, which meant that his Wraith Guard couldn't go there. And more importantly, his Wraith Guard also could not go in front of said tanks, because if I went first, I was going to be directly on top of him, and you can't Phantasm unfortunately inside tanks with no transport capacity. So (laughs) there was nowhere to go if he deployed there. The only alternative was what he ended up doing, which is literally backlining on the exact opposite side of the board that didn't really have any terrain but unfortunately was near one of my staging ruins that had a master of execution set inside it he went first moved a little bit to try to get some presence set up and just like between the auto advance six you know i did hit advance and charge turn one between some auto advance sixes and like getting everybody up and in it and going and rolling uh it just it went downhill in a hurry um so that was that game. <laughs> yeah, I think the moment where I was like, there's a bunch of people in chat who are saying that that game's reaction was, oh man, that man has a family as the reaction yeah. to it, was when I watched the Master of Executions just chop a Spirit Seer in half and then chop like two additional Wraith Guard in half as well, like right immediately after it. And I was yeah. like, that's not great. Uh, yeah, it wasn't optimal. All right. And then, then we're into the first game against bradchester i suppose yep so the first time i played brad um of the two um was i mean like this game is basically summarized like pretty easily by like a pretty defining moment um so early there was like a point where like you know he had a bit of a whiff with some dev sense that bought me some primary but really like the defining moment of the game um i charged and killed his terminator unit or most of i like maybe down to like one guy that was next to a gladiator lancer i was able to pile and tag the lancer and the remaining character with my exalted eight bound unit which meant that on his turn when he wanted to fall back he had to roll two separate battle shock tests to be able to do so because each unit that wants to be able to fall back needs to roll um at this point he passed on the ancient was like okay fair enough and then he failed on the lancer which meant that the tank is now stuck in combat with the strength 14 dudes that is not great um he couldn't shoot them outside of the lancer who like largely bounced maybe killed one 
And it was kind of just like downhill from there. Those exalted killed the tank, steamrolled the character, shot into his home field, killed a ballistas, knocked down a dev sent squad. Like just too much to recover from from that position. A very fast avalanche. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the game. <laughs> yeah. And then we top cut and you play Brad Chester immediately yeah. again, or was that? No, no, it, it was round eight. Okay. So I just want to point out that at this point, I'm the only 6-0 and when we top cut. Innis is also undefeated, but I was like, why are we still playing a tournament? What happened? I won. What are we doing? <laughs> like, I'm 6-0. and No one else is. We could be done right now, but it's fine. It was okay. But we insisted on instead forcing but, you to play three more games. Ins- game. Insisting on a fistin. Yeah, like. It's true. <laughs> um, so first up came Michael Mann. Um, a member of Team USA now, um, as of our selection process last week. Um, so he was playing Demons. He had a pretty good path through the tournament. I think he was like 5-1 made it into Top Cut. Obviously made it into Top Cut. Um, and we're setting up, and he's like, I think this matchup's pretty bad. I was like, me too. But we'll find out how bad. As it turns out, it's real bad. So I don't think Demons in general really have like a great answer to the Master of Execution squad when you put him in a 10-man. Because it's too many ablative wounds for them to deal with without triggering Blood Surge. For those unfamiliar, Blood Surge is when a unit, a model in a Berserker unit dies, they get to move D6 towards the closest enemy unit, and they can move into engagement range. Now, for a whole bunch of reasons, that causes some real nonsense to happen, and can be really complicated if you're planning on shooting and then charging a unit, as an example, right? So... Having a fight first guy inside that unit makes this even more complicated. So it didn't come up a ton in our game, but in general, that's a mechanic that's really rough. Um, Michael started a greater unclean one, a great unclean one on the line, which I felt was a little bold. Um, I went first. I did not because he was like literally on the line. I didn't really need much movement buffs. I just took advance and charge and sustained hits out of the pool, rolled my advance, shot over to the great unclean one based on some pre-measuring key and I had done, and just charged him. Now, because I didn't have to auto-advance six, I had a CP in the pocket, which meant that Angron was hitting with sustained hits on nine attacks at 16, four, D6 plus two, with four rolls to hit. I spent a CP for plus one to wound, so he was wounding on twos with rural ones from a squad of eight bound that were nearby. So I handed this man 12 saves, which turned into 38 damage, and that guy did not pass enough four up feel no pains to live. And Mr. Great Unclean One got rocketed into the sky or back into the warp, whatever your perspective is. Uh, a little bit of both. Bright and early. <laughs> um, yeah, probably a little bit of both. I'm sure parts of him ended up in the sky. <laughs> um, so yeah, a tough day in the office for Mr. Michael Mann. And then we have the return of Brad Chester. Yeah. Brad Chester round two. Round eight. Um, so this mission like could, physically could not have been worse for Brad. Probably like if you just wanted to like write out a nightmare scenario for his army playing my army, it's probably this. Um, Hammer and Anvil, with no primary points scored for your home field, with disappearing objectives, on Scramblers. So, he couldn't deep strike on top of objectives. He didn't score points for holding his home objective. This is trending badly for the army made out of teleports and inceptors. Yeah. Um, 
Brad scored literally zero primary points, but he did his best with the tools that he had, which were quite bad given the context of the game. Right. Yeah, I think at one point we were given an update that you were like up 42 to 21 or something like that. And we yeah. were like, oh, yeah, this makes sense given the it, game conditions. Right? I had gotten like a like a 10 and a 15 and I had scored like not trolling on secondaries and that was pretty much it. Um, right. For Brad to score, like he scored a 42. So that means he scored 32 points of secondaries. Like he gave it a real effort. But when you score like literally zero on primary, there's only so much that can be done. And then I guess we're into the tightest game, right? Because it came down Ooh. to the last minute maths. Like it, what looked like your hardest match kind of of the whole three days, which is the final match, which also makes sense into yeah, Alex, right? So yeah, Alex uh, Spatho, I was pretty roasted going into this match. Um, that game with Brad, despite like the bad scenario and stuff was like, wasn't particularly close on the scoreboard at the end, but I, you know, it's the second to last game of the tournament. So I just stay switched on the whole time. And Brad, like, fought me till five. So I was pretty exhausted by the time we got to this game. Um, I think even, like, literally on turn two, I, like, finished doing stuff. He hit me back. And I was like, I need to sit. And, like, hit the clock to me and was like, uh. <laughs> um, So, yeah, that Alex guy is pretty good. Um, the... List was, like, it's weird to look at on paper, right? And I think, honestly, in this matchup, had the Repexes been, like, basically anything else, it probably would have been worth it. He had a lot of stuff that's, like, not for me in his list, right? The Repexes are really good into high-toughness vehicles and things of that nature. The Dark Shroud is super great against armies that shoot you literally at all. Not so much. Um, so, like, a lot of the tech there isn't great. But certain things are. And I think of my opponents through the weekend, he was the most, like organized well-developed and like technical about how he was going to like systemically approach a fighting my army um versus a lot of other people were kind of just like it's an army i'll screen and it'll be fine and then it like wasn't and they didn't have a plan b um that seemed like a very common thread uh like you know the running joke that the theme song for the re weekend was man i really need more reps against this um and that was a real thing that was what happened a lot frequently um but he was like really on it knew his shit played super well um what had happened with the like math thing just for people that were watching so we had like all our primary on turn four i was trying to like add everything up to be like you get a 15 and i get you know like a five because i had a home field objective he could interact with where does this like line lead and we did like done some pre-adding math but we didn't have my secondary score yet so when we wrote down how many secondary points i had scored it was missing eight points now stream folks because anthony c is much smarter than i am and can add and keeps up on his addition because he wants to run a functional stream was keeping track of the score and had the right score over there on the stream desk i did not and we were looking at it and i was like i have 40 points on primary and he's got these points and we're like going back and forth and i'm like oh even if i take your home field with anger on off this rapid ingress i lose by two no big deal it happens we shake, we hug, I'm super happy for him. Everything's going great. And then I was like, I've been to too many WTCs at this point to trust a score sheet. Let's do some math one more time. And I looked down at the score sheet and my secondary scores are like eight, seven, five, eight, or something like that. And I'm like, something that's weird not here. right. Something's wrong. Like, and it was like, it's like 15 next to it or something like that. I'm like, I don't know math very well, but 
I'm pretty sure those numbers don't add up to 15. So let's try this one more time. We added it up. I went, I got 76. That was it. That was the game. Yeah. So I was like, I was watching that game and I was like, I watched you go, wait, can we add this again? And I was very, I was like, Anthony's going to use math. And then Anthony used math to win. And so I was like, very proud in the background yelling that math was the first downfall bit and the but math was also the savior of the victory at the end of the at the end of it yeah so like we had to what use was the like math the, to beat the math <laughs> what was kind of the pattern of that game that led to it being so close um so he got first go um and was able to kind of just like establish the terminators like a, basically a turn sooner right um Otherwise, like, I can get set up on primary, and I probably, like, you know, there are certain things that, like, look a little different. I can kill those scouts out. We can start, like, getting set up. I can, like, keep his combi lieutenant away from the middle, which would have been nice because that guy kept, like, yo-yoing in and out. That thing was super annoying with that relic. Um, So he went first and was, like, really, really, really on point about setting up his screens. He... Made sure that there was enough gap between the scouts and the terminators that I could not get from the scouts to the terminators with the resources that I needed to do so. Um, he used, made sure that the terminators fully sealed his hell blasters. Dark angels in that detachment have access to fall back and do things. So if I crash against the terminators, don't kill all of them. He can fall back, light me up with hell blasters, and then charge back in if necessary. So just his like layering of how he used his stratagems in combination with his resources and the timing of when he like accepted death or accepted issues with certain units really changed the dynamic of the game. Um, and he was just really on point about how he approached it. And what was kind of the break point then, I guess, since we've been using that a lot kind of for this game, like what kind of slid that from his impenetrable wall to you winning by even a small margin in that situation? Um, I think it would have been pretty close either way. But there was a point on the last turn where he just, like, was trying to set up all this other stuff, like, shield out an objective, do this, do that, and, like, didn't homer, and then Angron rezzed, and that meant that he, could, like, the combination was just too much, because Angron came down in rapid ingress, jumped to his home field, took it, that was five points for me, um, and, like, it, I basically won the game because Angron rezzed, right? Like... If Angron doesn't res, I win by one, assuming he keeps all of his play the same. Um, if Angron doesn't res and he homers, he wins by two. Okay. But also there was another play that, like, with a little bit more time I might have seen, there was, like, a opportunity for a Rhino to fall back, but it didn't end up mattering, so we didn't. I didn't sure. go back and do it. Um, but yeah, that was basically, that was kind of the cycle that, like, went down. Um, is that like I added up all the points. I decided that I had to kill this Kalidus that was in my home field to keep his homers towards the center. Did it. Worked out. It got one of my guys killed. It's fine. Got Defend Stronghold. Got me Assassinate. Good. Points are super close. He kills Angron. I res Angron. Game ends. Nice. Yeah, I think it? there was a moment in that game where I was like, it was always interesting to watch because you rapid ingress like some eight bound or some exalted eight bound in his yeah. backfield essentially, and then charged them into a repex that was back there and, or into the dark shroud that was back there. I charged them into the repex. Actually, I killed the repex okay. and then piled into the dark shroud. That's what it was. 
it was just very illustrative and like one of the reasons i think people would be well served going back and watching some of that is you can watch some of like what how do you rapid ingress in certain scenarios but you'd also see like the light die in people's eyes when you saw him very carefully measuring his screening out in like the backwards direction yeah but not in the forwards direction right and then you just watch that unit go down behind a building essentially yeah it was like covered. i'm here now <laughs> hopefully you had a plan for dealing about this but if you didn't there's a thing there now for you to deal with right <laughs> unfortunately i don't think so so here we go <laughs> so then you got the first world leaders win uh, did it. 10th edition so all praise the blood god skull for the skull throne yeah i quite literally god, like prayed to corn before i tried to res angron i don't know if the stream <laughs> picked that up um i was like corn you've been a good boy good violent boy eight wins in the pocket come on and i like rolled all the dice and they you know they fell and i was like well we paid for favor of corn i'm literally purchasing and using the favor of corn come on and i like picked up all the dice <laughs> And I rolled like four of them and like one of them shot out of the dice tray and I'd like go get it and I'd come back and had to roll all five. And then I got the res and I was like, nailed it. Excellent. Yeah. So I guess then we, we go into the part. It's um. so did you have a good time at the California Cup event? Oh, like XPZ runs? Jesus. So yeah. like the WTC is the most fun tournament in the world. But I joke all the time that like WTC like kind of cheats because like in no other circumstance would you like be like, hello, giant international friend group of mine. What if we all took 10 days off together in a country? Like, that's not a real thing that adults coordinate ever. Um, <laughs> but WC does. So you get to, you know, you get to, you get to skip the, <laughs> the steps, I guess, right? Because you have, like, all have this thing you're going to. Outside of that, like, very specific instance, which is, like, in my opinion, literal cheating, this is the best singles event and the best 40K event by extension that I've ever been to um san diego is beautiful and amazing the xbz like family could not have been more accommodating if they tried um like food recommendations places to go literally taking us to the said places um just top to bottom amazing like whatever a 40k player did with their weekend that wasn't going to the cali cup was a mistake basically um hands down not close best event i've been to nice i think Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> next year sold out immediately but yeah it, i would imagine um ten, like 10 out of 10 five stars yeah like you again would go past the ratings meter but like the consistent effort by steven and the crew to like make it affordable was also really cool like they really made a lot of efforts to like grill breakfast and lunch at the venue and even dinner on some of the nights with like tacos and stuff like that and then like they didn't even take all the money from that. They donated a bunch of it, like just really top notch stuff. Like they were like, we're not trying to make money on food. We just like want people to eat and we'll donate, you know, the proceeds, right? Like just really, really, really excellent behavior from them as TOs. Nice. Yeah. Love to see it. And then I guess the always obvious follow-up question before I do plugs and we do questions is, is there... Outside of Warhammer World, because that's too soon to make changes, are there is there anything that you would change about the list that you took based on your experience at Cali Cup? Uh, no. Um, I got to experiment with doing a lot of new stuff at Cali Cup, which was cool. Like I was previously I was like pretty much exclusively leaving Karnan 
with the 10 man and taking the master of executions with the five. And I kind of been like going back and forth depending on the game now. And it's actually really nice to have a resource like Karn in a five where it's like, I don't really need 10 berserkers to hit this. Like just Karn with the backup boys for some support is going to be enough. And often units fit that profile where it's like Karn with a little assistance will cleave through this. And I don't need to commit Karn and attend to this. And then I can have the MOE have like a bunch of a blade of wounds for blood surge and stuff. So going back and forth between those two is great. Um, but like having both rhinos is super clutch. Definitely wouldn't change that. Really helps the indirect matchup. Um, and there's just like a lot of little things, like a little optimizations in the list that like the more I play it, it's more important to get better with the list at this point by far than it is to like change the minutia of the list itself. And this is the thing I preach a lot in 40k is that like playing with lists is super fun. You're likely making it worse. <laughs> Just play the thing that's proven to work. Yeah. If you're going to netlist, like netlist the thing, right? Yeah. Unless you like don't own part of it, then put in the thing that you own. And that's like a different conversation, right? But like, don't, don't pick something up that has had like hours of multiple minds put into it at the top of the game and be like, they didn't catch the walking demon prince. Who needs that second rhino and five berserkers? Like that's not. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. <laughs> Fair. So I'm going to do the plugs in the most hap, haphazard. Oh, great. I'm going to mute and let you go. Awesome. And then we're going to do questions. So if, before we do the plugs in a terrible fashion, um, if you want to ask a question, you can either super chat it, in which case we'll get to it, or you can join our Patreon and ask questions in the Patreon Discord thread for this show episode, in which case... If you do either of those two things, you will get your question asked and answered by one of the two of us on the show. Unless it's for somebody who's not on the show, in which case it won't be answered. Or we'll answer it in the funniest way possible. But if you've been watching this hour of Anthony talking about how to best play and how best to play into world leaders, essentially, uh, you probably have been enjoying it. So please drop us a like, leave a comment. Or if you have the money and resources and you wish to support us monetarily, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash stat check, where for $5 a month, you can join our Patreon Discord, where you can basically tap into what is an incredible community. There's like a lot of the brain trust of 40k, as it were, in that community and are active in the community, including Ben Jurek, who is a friend of the show, among others who you can pester with questions about, you know, food cooking or Eldari, whatever, you know, floats your boat, I suppose. Um, please go visit our sponsors at red-dragon.ca or Saltair Games, whose link is in the description. Um, if you join our Patreon, disco, dis our Patreon, you get a 20% off discount at red-dragon, Red which you can use on, like, basically anything in their catalog. Um... Am I forgetting anything? I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. Thank you for watching. Participate. Uh, if you love team events, come join our team events after this one, because we'll be running more of those because we have prize support for all of our events. So yeah, we're going to go into questions, because I definitely did a great job at that. Not a terrible Yeah, most job. of it. That's true. Good. It's not as funny as when Alex right. does it, but it, it works. Also, if you want coaching, there we go. <laughs> I was like, if you want coaching, you should go to stat-check.com slash coaching. And you should approach Typhus or Innis about getting coaching. Um, 
I got to do basically like an example coaching call with Ennis and it was like an amazing experience for me. So if you kind of want to see what goes into coaching, you can go look at that on YouTube. Um, there's obviously more to it than that, but I think it, it's, it was a really good experience. I would do more of it if I had the time to do any kind of thing like that. If and got a little bit of coaching, a little bit of therapy out of it. I did. I got more therapy, I think, than coaching out of it, which was quite <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, it was definitely the the like young man teaching the old man that he'd been doing things wrong his entire life. Uh, yeah. moment. Our first question of the day is from Sam Lemon, which says, congrats on the win, Anthony, which I'm sure you, all of these are going to say that essentially. Thank you, everyone. Uh, how was it hosting your first in real life coaching classes and how did you find them overall? So I've actually done that once before. Um, I did it at um, Salt City when I in Syracuse when I went to there, but it was fun. Um, I really like teaching classes like this a lot. Um, I used to teach kickboxing. That was like my first real job um, from when I was like 17 till I was like 23. Um, I taught kickboxing to like, you know, adults, kids, et cetera. Um, and it was really cool to be able to teach again, kind of in like a class-based setting. Um, I really enjoy that. I actually wish there was like more of a market for that if I could do nothing but teach 40k classes all week that's all i would do but unfortunately that's not really how that works because it's kind of impractical so um yeah being able to kind of get like the real life like oh aha moments was like it's always very satisfying um kind of watch people because 40k is like a very complicated game with a lot of levels to it but it's really easy to like pull like just forcibly launch people through like the first four um and you can get there off some like basic heuristics of like hey when you see this, you're looking for this. When you see that, you're looking for that. Um, and I think I think the people that attended got a lot out of it. So really, really proud of the work that me and Ennis did with that. Mostly nice. Ennis. He did most of the organizing. I just did like teacher instinct. I've done this a bunch of things. But <laughs> Ennis was the like the most of the brains of this operation. <laughs> and the second question is, why is Gaunt's host so bad at TTS? And how badly are old man Ruben and co about to destroy them? And that is, Gaunt's host is the name of the mostly hosts uh teams league that doesn't have anthony on it because nobody asked anthony because somebody assumed that anthony wouldn't want to join it wasn't me it wasn't my fault um anthony would have had my spot basically is what would have happened <laughs> unbelievable and instead he's on the other tts team which is old man ruben and co uh so how badly are you going to beat us are you oh guys you guys like... are you guys are fucked you're so fucked uh <laughs> speaking of which i have to fill out my matrix for that but you guys are in trouble. It's going to be five booyahs. Probably not booyahs. Those are expensive. Maybe like the one below that. But yeah, you guys are in trouble. Coming for you. Excited. Ben still I'm, got I'm just... like my initials tramp stamped on him. So <laughs> just make be... sure not to pair him into you, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to be gunning for that PTSD, Benny boy. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I'm just expecting that I'm going to get thrown under the bus by in some situation. Oh, we'll play again. It'll be great. Do you have some form of drop pod in your list? I do not. Okay. <laughs> this time, so I can't make that mistake. Oh no, Tyranids will be fine, right? They got guns. It'll be great. Whatever. Look. Yeah. I can, so I can for, score points with spore mines. <laughs> yeah. For those of you in the chat that see Ben Jerk spamming RR, that's the Team USA like Excel code for like darkest red possible matchup. And then he said no in all caps. Um, all right. Tom HS, we have, we already have chicken slash shrimp slash veal parm. What else should get the parm treatment? Mm. I say pork parm would probably be good. Like probably I could see yeah, that. Like a, 
like a pork cutlet parm. Oh, real quick. Anthony Cohen's in chat. Give me one second. I'll be right back. Ask the next question and probably answer it. Give me one second. Sure. <laughs> Does the site slash line merger of GW and F Forge World spell the end of Imperial Armor books? God, I um, fucking hope so. <laughs> I kind of think it does like they basically turn into horse heresy right like that's, oh, that's all they're gonna the do they announced it and i kind of like glazed over it because games workshop got rid of all the forge world models that i love the most like the dimacaron and stuff like that so like they made it anymore. into the norn yeah but the norn is Doesn't not a do with the demon den. yeah it's not the world's largest harlequin anymore it's that's true that's fair it is in fact too expensive and makes me sad on the regular yeah, that's fair. Real quick, I wanted to shout out Anthony Cohen ran the XPZ stream. Hands down, one of the nicest guys I've met. Uh, gave me a really cool gift. So it's this thing that I'll like. Hopefully, the camera will focus on. Uh, it tracks corn thing. It tracks all your blessings of corn, and then it's got like these little cool inserts that have the World Eater logo and a magnet on them that you slide Ooh. into the side of it, and it tells you just like face up on the table at all times. Which buffs you got going. I love that. And then up here, you can track your CP with a cool little wheelie thing. It's dope. I've had a ton of people reach out to me and ask me where I got it. That is where. Uh, he's due me a Etsy link. So once I have it, I'll post it in the stat check Discord and wherever else you can find me on Discord. Uh, just shoot me a message if you want one. I will make sure to get you an Etsy link to it. Thank you. I'm 100% buying one of those. Dude, it's the best. If you are even vaguely interested in world leaders, before you drown yourself in gray plastic, buy one of those. 100%. Uh, Christos asks, congratulations on the win, Anthony. Having played uh, world leaders the first time this edition last week, the Lord of Vakatis and Juggalord on infantry units feels clunky and weird. Oh, yeah. What just... character... Go oh, ahead. Sorry. You... What character would you add to world leaders to make them feel more like an actual army? Blood Priest? I would also love a Chaos Lord. Um, yeah, I would do pretty terrible things for like just like a dude. Um, but like it's fine. The Master of Executions kind of covers the role of like dude who punch hard. That's fine. Um, from like a visual standpoint, this is going to get real nerdy. So from like a visual standpoint, <laughs> when the couple of times I've played Black Crusade, I've played like a corn Dark Apostle. I would do horrible things for a model like that. I love that archetype. Like the super warrior priest thing is sick. Um, so if we could get something like that, that'd be really cool. Um, I would also love just anything that gave us even a little bit of recursion would be cool. Um, but as far as like playing the list goes, by the way, don't attach the juggernauts to anything. It makes them harder to move around. Um, that like nonsensical Invocatus ruling that I try not to think about is actually kind of fine. Like practically speaking, even if it is dumb from a approach perspective, um, because you really don't want Invocatus in the unit anyway, it's actually great. as just like a cheap thing to go like missile over there. Um, but yeah, that'll help with the feel of the list a lot. I experienced that as well. I think one of my favorite characters in like the archetype that I would like to add is there's in the Fabius Bile books, there's a world eater. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Uh huh. He's amazing. Yeah. And if they added like a world eater apothecary, a butcher surgeon, I would be, I'd be there for it. Like you oh, can yeah. attach him to a 
a berserker unit and give him a feel no pain or a boosted feel no pain. Oh, I was like, feel, no pain would be, feel no pain would be kind of rolling, yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. no, in models. that they would be giga annoying to get rid of between like blood surgeon if they had a five up feel no pain. Ah, that would be awful. Um, <laughs> can, so can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like if he gives them like a feel no pain and a point of AP, he's probably the best model in the game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that would be uh. You know, yeah, armor of contempt. I don't Toby know. and Chad is right in the world leaders codex from ninth, which I was actually reading the other day. Uh, they talk about butcher surgeons a ton, so it is definitely possible that we get that as a model when world leaders eventually get a codex release, right? I would love it. My like deep worry is actually that I'm going to be like too all in on world leaders that Emperor's children will get a codex, and I'll be like, yeah, whatever, bitch, and like not actually be interested in it. We both know that the moment that they like preview a plastic fulgrim you're just gonna fall oh. off that horse like immediately let's be honest look i i think that like at the beginning of this process so i'm gonna get into a small conspiracy theory involving one of my friends <laughs> gores taylor tori looking at you i think set me up because like they know that my favorite primarch is fulgrim but right before i started getting super into world leaders they had me read this book called slaves to darkness in which fulgrim is the god damn worst he sucks so bad <laughs> in it and he makes me so mad that i think he actually just isn't even close to my favorite crime mark anymore he might be third Oof. which oh, that's is brutal yeah sad it's sad i mean sanguinius is first by like miles like an unfair yes. margin um but honestly i think the one after that like might actually be angron he got such a raw deal anyway he did though that's enough lore stuff. I think yeah, it's really funny you, that I'm like the lore nerd of the group, by the way. Uh, if you guys want to have discussions with Tori, she will natter at you about basically all sorts of lore stuff, essentially. That's what it, I think do. it's honestly one of the largest value adds of our Discord is that you get to bother the 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 lore. <laughs> the lore nerds maximally. Yeah. Uh, Preston asks, when will you switch to Comp AOS? Um, I definitely was briefly looking so i had like a deal with my good buddy mark that if i had like blitzed through this aws certification that i was looking at getting and had it done in time for everwinter which is like a big aos gt in boston that i would go to everwinter with him but like some stuff has changed and that's probably not going to happen um but i was really thinking about it the new flesh eater quartz is like oh right mm -hmm. right in the chest like i don't give a shit about bretonia but my first, like, one of the first, like, I think the second, like, Warhammer, any, like, the second Games Workshop model I ever bought was a Terrorgeist. So, I fucking love Flesh Eater Quartz. Um, so, I'm really, really excited about this range refresh. And we'll see how it goes. That first model they previewed from it, like, the Keeper of the Keys is, like, oh, real badass. Oh, so good. I know. Yeah, I'm very excited. Also, like a separate tangent, like they're about to get their god model, like in Ashuran, who's like the big, Ooh. like the king of the flesh eater courts. And Sigmar god models are always Amazing. just like, what? So, yeah, I'm beyond excited. I love that faction just because it trolls Bretonia players so much. But oh, also, yeah. I, mean, I love the way that they look, but I love that they troll Bretonian players so much. Yeah, yeah, same. Do uh Jay asks, do Death Guard make a five man or an eight man? And then I mean, what I, role I definitely would they play if they did make it. I definitely think I could see them making an eight. If you're gonna take them in fives, it's probably worth cannibalizing your CK to add to them as well. Um, but it just depends. Uh 
Innis regaled me with the tale of getting shot by like AP3 chain cannons and AP6 melta guns this weekend. Um, and that sounded painful and bad, so that's probably an archetype worth exploring, but I don't know too much about it past that. Okay. Uh, da Davin asks, how much would it cost me to bribe you guys into changing the title to Cali Chain Axe Massacre Edition? Oh man, if we had seen that sooner, uh, not as much money as you would think. <laughs> well, if you super chat like five bucks, I'll edit it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> five is too little. If you super oh, chat okay. like $30, we'll edit it. Sure. Go with Anthony. He's established the cost now. Uh, yeah. John asks, what was your favorite meal in SoCal? Ooh, favorite meal. Oh, this is easy. Never mind. I had to think about that for way too long. On the last night, we went to a place nearby to the venue called Common Theory. And I was just like, no thoughts. Just give me what you get to Stephen Corrales. And he got like this Wagyu beef burger that blew my mind. <laughs> That food that that place was so good that but all the food in Cali that. was dope. It was weird. It was like almost like I I have to assume that Cali just has some form of like laws around food standards that are different because most of the food there was just better. And then Pumbaa, of course, is asking a question, uh, which is about when will the math lessons with Anthony and Nathan happen since we now have a proven record of it being a substantial problem in violence's tournament. I tournament caught it. But what I want to say is that it actually proves that Anthony doesn't need the lessons anymore yeah. because he noticed there was a problem with the math and then he went back and redid it. So that yeah. was correct. That's right. So instead, and if that's not learning, <laughs> Anthony has graduated past the level of math teaching that I would need to do. I did it. So he's, he's good on it. We're going to yeah. change the name of that tier eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's way Although, funnier to just leave it forever as like an homage to when we started. It's true. Back when we Although, were still like, wouldn't it be funny if anyone signed up to this Patreon and now there's like 300 people in there? Yeah, and we're very confused by it on the regular. I Every day I look at that number and I'm like, I don't know what is going on anymore. It's just supposed to be something to do instead of wow, dude. Yep. Man, it was just supposed to meet people through this and now I don't know what's going well, on. Well, you've met so many. And now it's, it's madness. <laughs> yeah. It's actual madness. <laughs> um... <laughs> Warboss Autark Ben asks, what are your preferred fruits? Mango. It's not close. Ben learned that this weekend, actually. Um, I would have a, like, mango, like, pop thing, basically. Like, a frozen mango pop every morning from the same, like, uh, like burrito chain that we went to. <laughs> Love that. Nice. It's the good stuff. Mango's a good one. I like... I'm a big berry fan, so I like raspberries and stuff like that. I also like Fair. blackberries and things. You're also like a lemon dessert man, right? I do. I do like lemon desserts like a ton. I don't like eating just lemons. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's valid. Yo, um, I actually catch flack for this, but I'll eat a mango like an apple. Like just like wash and slam. <laughs> I like, I kind of understand it. I just would always, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, he did it. <laughs> right, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Davin just donated 50 Singaporean dollars, I believe, is SGD. I think I'm going to Yeah, I think that's right. the equivalent. All right, fucking fair enough, Fine. man. Fine, I'll edit it later. Good job, Davin. Um, <laughs> yeah, good job, buddy. I won't lie. I kind of just want to see you eat a mango like that. I just, it, the next time <laughs> we're together in, awesome. are you going to Atlanta? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm just well, going to hand you a mango the next time I see you. As long as it's washed, I'll take that sucker down in like a minute in front of you. <laughs> Um, 
Bryce says, how mentally prepared are you to get scammed in Atlanta now that Scar will have convinced people to try gambiting? Uh, I mean, you can gambit all you want against Eaters. When you're down by a billion, it doesn't make a difference. You can hand all of my opponents this weekend except for the last one a gambit, like, successful, and I win by 40 instead of 70. Go yeah. nuts, people. Bring the noise. <laughs> the world eaters are hungry. Uh, Dan F. asks, what is your favorite commercial? I actually have an answer for this because I recently saw this pop up on TikTok about how 90s commercials were very weird. There's a commercial for, like, Doritos or something like that. Oh, I know, man. Where the guy has, like, a, glo- a, uh, a snow globe and he's, like, shaking it and they're talking about it. And he's like... And I'm going to, like, this is the best, and I'm going to get some Doritos. And then he, like, turns around and throws the snow globe at a vending machine. And that is the advertisement for Doritos, basically. That is my favorite commercial because it is ridiculous. Strong. Uh, Mine (laughs) is the one for Capri Suns where they, like, take a sip and melt into silver and everyone's just, like, cool about it. Like, that would be the most horrifying thing you've ever seen in your life. Is that uh, also the one where they like fly through the sky? Yeah, it doesn't make dude, it turns into absolute nonsense really fast. And people wonder why 90s children do so many drugs now. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with the failed state of the nation and the active predatory nature of capitalism. I'm sure it's just the fucked up commercial. <laughs> just that our we saw. commercial. <laughs> yeah. I'll never own a home and I'm gonna die renting, but that's fine. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that Anthony was the one to do that. It's always funny when that gets to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not the five five historical moments in a row or anything that we've had to go through in our lives or anything. That's right. No. Uh, fuck. Uh, Griggs says, congrats, Anthony. And also to Innis for doing well at the Cali Cup. Thank you. Um, Innis took third in case people didn't realize it. Um the first question is, what did you guys think of the Unforgiven task attachment run by Alex? He obviously did extremely well, but did running the Dark Angels detachment help him or hinder him? Oh, I think it was helpful. Like, for the way that Alex had a game plan, it was really good. Um, I think the detachment's legitimately good. I was, I've posted this in the stat check Discord, so go there to get it if you want it. Plug, hint, wink. Um, <laughs> but I, like, wrote a version of Alex's list that I'm pretty sure I just have, like, no game get 20'd by. Like, like I'm certainly not beating in singles. So, yeah, that detachment's really good. Um, I don't know that it's, like, super, like the version that I wrote is super good into everything, but he wrote his list with a very specific purpose in mind for player place terrain based on the meta that he plays in a lot, right? right. Um, which is just, like, a well-prepared individual who's really good at the game doing well with a list. That happens. And then the second question I want to answer, actually, and it's also in a fair world, what cut of the Games Workshop profits for the World Eater box go to Anthony? And it's 8.88%. That'd be pretty good. To be honest. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Paul asks, hi, Anthony. I really want to play World Eaters, but I also want to include Mutilators. Any idea how would you change your list to CSM and then use up those last 25 points? Um, I would recommend checking out ninth edition um and working <laughs> backwards from there and then the next question is from idris who's just says californian screaming and then what do you guys think about the austrian black Templar parking lot list uh i don't think about it at all lists with more than three whirlwinds should be thrown at a wall stop taking indirect you cowards 
<laughs> Luke asks Anthony, in a hopeful, not too distant future, where Honor the Prince exists again and Fulgrim on oh. Codex. <laughs> are you still on the World Leaders train or are you going back to your ninth edition roots and playing uh, Emperor's Children again? Um, hello, cat. I think it really depends on what the Emperor's Children Codex looks like. I really am worried that they're just going to make that like Codex Sonic weapon. Um, and I'm just not that interested in a shooting army. Um, so we'll see kind of how it shakes out and go from there. I also have a cat making a fuss. So yeah, I'm just like throwing her onto the bed. Like, yeah, go she's sit. like right here, like poking yeah. on my microphone now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Preston Why? says, what's your favorite seasonal Oreo? Uh, I like I the 4th know. of July one because they have Pop Rocks in them. And I kind of like Pop Rocks Whoa. in desserts. It's kind of neat. That's wacky. There, There's like an Oreo blizzard at uh, Dairy Queen that has Pop Rocks on it that I love it a lot. I don't know why. There's something weird about it. Maybe it's nostalgia. I was prefer to pause for cat. But Dan F. asks, favorite chocolate-based candy? Chocolate-based candy? Reese's. There you go. Yeah. Um, then when is the correct time to start playing Christmas music? Never. I worked in retail for a little while. The answer is never. Fuck off. I also hate Christmas music. And if you insist on playing it, please play it after fucking Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not immediately after fucking, not the day of Halloween, basically, which is when all the Christmas decorations went up in our fucking local the uh, worst. Alaska grocery store. It's not even winter. <laughs> For Anthony, now that you have won a tournament because of maths, <laughs> how does a future degree in advanced calculus sound? <laughs> Bad. It sounds awful. It sounds just the worst. Um, for Nathan, how hard is it to teach Anthony how to maths? Do you feel partially responsible for Anthony's cup win? Uh, no, because Anthony's ability to win that event is entirely predicated on his ability to play well, which does involve maths. Sometimes. Yeah, but Anthony is so good at this game that he does not need my math lessons to win it. <laughs> It'll be a third time bring, breaking that cat back up and putting her back down. Don't worry yeah, about it. at least. Uh, Logan asks, what's your favorite restaurant in London? Uh, I don't know if I had seen more of London, I'd have a good answer for this. The Turkish spots we went to were good, but, um, yeah, I don't really have a great answer to that. Behind door A is a room full of very enthusiastic orc players competing for who has the best wah. Behind door B is a room full of custodies players who have been given the update upcoming custodies nerfs. Which do door do you choose or do you welcome death with open arms? Oh no, door B every time. I'm going to roll laughing through that room. <laughs> I too actually would drink the tears of the custodian. Oh yeah. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, Tommy asks, a couple of episodes back, Anthony mentioned it's easy to make a bad CSM list. What are the common pitfalls that players fall into when toying with their lists? Uh, most of them are tank shaped. Uh, people are like, dude, people have to shoot this. And then it like gets shot and dies. And like the rest of your army that was good is like hidden anyway. Because that's what you do and then like <laughs> the only thing that was in line of sight is now dead and they shot it because that's the play i don't know i just <laughs> plays like that always confuse me when someone's like it needs to get dealt with and i'm like yep and then once it's dealt with now what and it's like well <laughs> didn't get that far it's like, okay <laughs> 
Uh, ben then has a question for you, basically, is have you ever had mango sticky rice? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then Luke asks, do you want a link to the Custodies Discord so that you can go through B right now? No. No, I'm good, actually. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. All right. Now I'm going to look at the questions from chat. There was a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm going to go through the super chats first because that's what I want to do. But, well, yeah. That's uh, also like what you should do, right? That's true. Sometimes. I don't know, man. Ben McJurick right. gave $8.88. Uh, congratulations to Anthony for silencing the nails. Buy a mango pop. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Brian says banned from 30K slow growth leagues. Nathan was with the hard hitting news. Thanks, Brian. Your sass is always appreciated. Uh, Tim Penny continuing to launder money $1 at a time gives $4.99. All I'm hearing is we can absorb a 25-point hike on Angron. Sure. Yep. Um, Cast asked a question. Thank you for the super chat about SoCal or California Cup. We're talking about the California Cup. And then it's Davin's successful ploy uh, who sent 50 Singaporean dollars to get us to change the title of this episode to the one that he suggested in Discord, which I will do eventually. Yeah. Uh, probably later today after we get this published and stuff like that. I'll go in and see if I can do that. Fair enough. And there were some questions in here. I'm going to start from the bottom and go up. <laughs> Gannon, is it pronounced Reese's or Reese's? Reese's. It's, it's got to be Reese's. Reese's just makes me, it activates my fight or fight reflex. <laughs> and then Logan asks, uh, can you explain why that list you were talking about before for Dark Angels gets 20 owed? Oh, I think you meant why World Leaders gets 20 Yeah. Because that's the Logan that, that I know and love, and he probably doesn't give a shit about Dark Angels. Um, the, I think the version that I had posted is just, like, really good at interacting with the World Leaders without being able to meaningfully interact back. And that Deathwing unit is a real pain to go through comfortably if they're as good at screening as your as Spatha was. Um, that makes basically, sense. like, I turned, like, the three rep Xs he had that did not a ton in our game until like a bunch of stuff that would have been really annoying to play against. And that would have been really bad. Uh, Paul asks, Anthony, if you had to play demons, would you stay corn or shift to a different build? Does a different build let me play something other than demons? <laughs> no. Oh, um, I honestly, God like <laughs> Michael Mann's list from the weekend. Um, it was pretty good and it had like some cool stuff in it, but I just didn't like my army interacted with it in ways that were not, particularly fair or great for it so i don't really have a great assessment of demons that's also happened a couple of times now um outside of when gg messed me up pretty good at wtc most of my experience into demons has been through the lens of like me as wt me as csm shooting them with obliterators or me as world leaders in the matchup being very unfair so it's tough that makes sense uh toby asks anthony do you hope for the carrion king to be like catacross and have a royal court with him or should he be on a dragon uh, neither. I want him to just be a big fuck off, like, Strigoi vampire that just cracks, like, run and charge, big aura of big buff, big damage. I kind of want him on, like, a Pegasus ass looking thing, just because it would look kind of like the Bretonian guy riding a, like, Pegasus uh, kind of deal, but yeah. I like your answer very much. Yeah, I, the Strigoi to me will always be like these, like, literal hulks right like mm -hmm. that's you know how they're always described right so yeah something like that would be in mint i also like in an ideal world like my head canon is that he just looks like the butcher from diablo 4 and he's just gonna mm -hmm. like 
run through your shit. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Idris asks, what do you think of Manny's jackal list? 90 jackals with a demon prince, Angron, Nine Exalted, and 6-8 pound. I really don't like it. Manny's going to do Manny shit. It just, it's trying to do a different thing. It's teams, and that list can be difficult for certain armies to deal with. Um, Would you swap jackals for spawn? No. God, no. Not in a... The reason I don't run any demons uh, is because jackals are actually really good at, like, the trash role they fill. Uh, making yeah. an objective sticky is awesome. Having an icon in the unit is clutch. Um, there's a lot of like little things that help with the that make the jackals better, in my opinion. Uh, them also having a really good feel no pain when you buff the army one is really funny. Yeah, them having that extra feel no pain point seems like trolling a little bit. Oh, they're like racks. It's hilarious. You get shot yeah. at by like a no AP indirect gun, and it's like, all right, five up, five up. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Do we have any more questions in here that I care about? Not that I don't care about them, but part of me doesn't want to circle through this chat looking for questions all evening. I think that's basically it. Um, so th thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us for this session all about world leaders. Um, thank you to XPZ for putting on an amazing event in the California Cup. And thank you, Anthony, for regaling us with stories of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave a like, put a comment, hit the little bell to subscribe or whatever. If you have money and want to spend it on an amazing Discord community and the possibility of winning prize money through events, please join our Discord at patreon.com slash statcheck. Um, go visit our sponsors, Altair Games on Etsy and uh, Red, Dash Drag Red Dragon on reddashdragon.ca. I hope you all have a wonderful evening. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.